This is Simon Bey's, the second Sikha in the Kuntris Dvar Malchus. And this Sikha is, in a way, a continuation to the previous Sikha, which we learned in the last two weeks on Perik Yud Aleph and on the fact that the Rambam in Perik Yud Aleph is coming to teach us the halachic geder, the halachic definition and role of Mashiach, that it's not just a geula, but it is also restoring Malchus based David, and it is also um, bringing back Teiro Mitzvahs, the fulfillment of Teiro Mitzvahs to their most complete form, which is only possible once Mashiach brings back Klal Yisrael from Golos to Eretz Yisrael, and and builds the Beis Hamikdash, which then we will be able to fulfill all of the mitzvahs of the Torah. And the Rambam therefore says that if someone does not believe in Mashiach, then he is a kaifer, he is denying the words of Torah and the words of Meshach Rabbeinu. In other words, one uh, part of the halacha that the Rambam is teaching us in this Pedic is the role of Mashiach, as well as the halacha, that if a person doesn't believe in Mashiach and these aspects of Mashiach, then he's a kaifer in Torah and in Meshach Rabbeinu. He's denying the truth of Torah and Meshach Rabbeinu because these, th- this information is given to us in the Torah. And the Ramah brings two rayas, one from B'Shav HaShem Lekecha Shavuscha in Parshish Nitzavim where it says the Abish is going to bring back the ingathering of the Goliaths, of the exiles. And then he brings another proof in Parshas Bilam, where there is a nevuah with regards to David and Moshiach, and the Ramam elaborates on the psukim there, how each of the psukim refers, is a prophecy to David HaMelech and to Melech HaMashiach. Then the Ramam brings a third raya, in the next Allah, Allah base from Ari Miklot, where the Torah says that the Abis is going to expand the borders, and then you're going to have to add three more Ari Miklot, three more cities of refuge, and since this has not yet happened, it must be that it's going to happen when Mashiach comes. And this is another proof to the fact that, that the Geula is in the Torah, in the mitzvah of Arimikot. And this Sikha is going to discuss specifically the Raya, the proof from Arimiklot. Why is it necessary and what does it add to the uh, previous two Rayas? That, uh, that Ramam needed to add it on as a third raya, as a third proof, what was lacking before it that gets filled, that gets realized by understanding that the Geula is foretold in the mitzvah of Ari Miklat. That's the topic of the Sikha of today. Mashiach is going to stand up and restore the kingdom of the dynasty of David the Melech to its origins. Anyone who does not believe in him, in Mashiach, or someone who does not await his coming, not only is he denying in the words of the later Nevi'im, many of which speak of the Geula and Mashiach, Ella he's denying the truth of Teira itself, and Teira meaning the Chamisha Chumsei Teira, and Meishe Rabbeinu. Sharia because the Teira itself tells us, foretells us, testifies about Mashiach and about the Geula. Hashem will return your captives and he will have mercy upon you and he will bring and he will gather you. Even if you're dispersed, will be as far as the ends of the heavens. The Abishir is going to get you, and he's going to bring you to Eretz Yisrael. The Ramam says, continues, These words are written explicitly in Torah. They are inclusive of all of the following words that will be said by the Nevi'im, by the Prophets. And then the Ramam continues, It's also spoken about in Parshas Bilam. Over there he prophesizes about two anointed kings, the first anointed king. Namely, David HaMelech, and the final anointed king, who is going to rise up from the 
descendants of David Melech Chulu. Or maybe kind of psukim parshas bilam. Or we farsham al David Melech Hamashiach, and then the Rambam goes on to bring a number of psukim from parshas bilam and explain how they refer to David and to Mashiach. Uba halacha shalacharis. In the next halacha, halacha beis of Perik Yud Aleph, Mamshich Rambam. The Rambam continues. Alpha or Mikla to Omer. Also by Ari Mikla that says, "Im Yarchi Vashem Alakecha as Gavulcha if Hashem will expand your borders, the Asafta Lacha Yichalish Arim you will then add on another three cities." The Gaimer, "Umei Eilam Loya Yadaver Zedis has not yet occurred." The Leitziva Kadosh Baruch Hu Latayu and certainly the Avister would not give a command for naught, and therefore it must mean that. The time is yet to come when the borders will be expanded, and then we will have the mitzvah of adding on these three cities. This is all; these three things are all in Torah, in the Chamisha Chumshei Torah, or in the word from Nevi'im. We don't have to bring proofs because all of the svarim of the Nevi'im are filled with prophecies about the Geula and the coming of Mashiach. This is the Rambam in the first two halachas at least uh, in a concise version, of the first two halachas of Perek Yudalif. We ask la'ayin, and we should, it is necessary here to look into it a little bit more deeply. Ma'chaser b'rayis arishaynis, what is lacking in the first two proofs? Me'akasa v'shav v'gaymar, from the Pasuk v'shav, which is in Parashat Nitzavim. Umi Parashat Bilam, shehuska korambam lehesif araya gam me'akasa v'barimiklot. And the Rambam feels it the necessity to add on another raya of Mari Miklot. What's wrong? What's missing? What is lacking in the first two proofs that the Rambam feels it necessary to bring a third proof? And in the next two paragraphs is going to explain why the first two proofs are necessary. The proof of of Nevuah of Bilam is because there it talks about Mashiach, not just about the Geula. And the proof from Veshav Hashem Lekecha is necessary because there it is written explicitly and not written as a hint or as a metaphor. The necessity for the first two Rayas is understood. The Rambam's intention here in these halachas is to believe not just in the Geula but in Melech HaMashiach, in a person. In addition to the obligation to believe in the general idea of a redemption, that the Abister is going to redeem the Yidden in whatever way it will be. We have an obligation to believe in the King Mashiach. With the various details of who he is and what his qualities are as they are uh, itemized in this Tadik. Kidiyuk Lashna Ramam and Ramam specifies boy. Someone who does not believe in him, it doesn't just say in it, but in him, because the Ramam here is coming to teach us not just about the, the not just the, the, the obligation to believe in a Gaula, but the obligation to believe in Mashiach. This is not written clearly in the Pasik where it says Hashem will return your captives. Hashem, Hashem will bring you. So it doesn't say clearly Mashiach. It says Hashem will do it. In Parshas Bilam, where the Nevoah is about the two anointed kings, David Umelech HaMashiach, over there it's about the person, the Mashiach, who's going to bring the Gula. Therefore, the Rambam also brings the, the full lengthiness of the proof with a number of psukim that speak about them. Because in these psukim are hinted the various different details and qualities of Mashiach. Which we are obligated to believe in, as was explained elsewhere. Elsewhere being the sicha that we learned last week and the week before, where the second part, the the, the final part of the sicha goes through the psukim and explains how they are addressing three or four details in what Mashiach is going to accomplish, in who Mashiach is and what he's going to accomplish. So therefore, the, since the Ramam is talking about Mashiach, the Ramam brings the Nevuah of Parshas Bilam, because over there it speaks about Mashiach himself with many details. 
Conversely, he does not suffice with the raya from Parsha's Bilam. The Yedzeis, more so, he brought it to the Parsha's Bilam, he brings as the second proof. Because, the Ramam's purpose here is not just to bring proofs from the written Torah on the fact that Mashiach is coming. The Ramam is coming to prove that if someone does not believe in Mashiach, he is denying the truth of Teirah and Meshach Rabbeinu. Because it's written in the Torah, Torah testifies. This testimony, this fact that the Torah speaks about it, cannot just be based on the way Torah Shvalpeh translates the Pesukim. Which in truth, the Ramam says in Ilchis Tshuva, that even someone who denies the commentary, the Teresh of Alpeh's explanation of Teresh of Iksav, is also considered a Kaifer, someone who's denying in the truth of Teresh, a heretic. But the Rambam over here wants to say that it's not just a testimony that is understood based on Teresh of Alpeh's interpretation of the Psukim, Ela Elu Hadvarim Amafurashim Bateda. The Rambam says that these things are written explicitly in the Teda. The Nevois uh, that are brought in Parsha's Bilam are only said as a mushal, as a metaphor, as a parable. You can't refer to that as being written explicitly in Teda. And therefore, that Raya is insufficient to bring out the point that, the, that Mashiach is so clear in the Torah that if you don't believe in it, you are considered a kaifer b'tayr of Meshach Rabbeinu, you could say one second, the words in, the, in Bilam, it's just a nevua, it's written cryptically. I don't know for sure uh, necessarily what it means. But in the first Pasuk that the Rambam brings, which is from Parshish Nitzavim, where it says, There it's written very clearly and explicitly about the redemption and about the ingathering of the exiles. And therefore, that Raya is also necessary. So now I understand that Raya is for its clarity. It's for its explicitness. And the Raya of Parshas Bilam is for the fact that it speaks about Moshiach, not just about the Geula. So now we have to go back to our, our original question. What is added, uh, what, is give, what, what extra do we understand, what, are, what is added with the Raya, the proof from Ari Miklot? And the Ari brings, that you can't say that the Ramam is bringing all the proofs in Teresh of Iksav. Because first of all, the Ramam is a Sefer Allahis, and once the Ramam has sufficiently proven his point, he does not need to just list all the Rayas that, that exist. And number two, there are certainly other places in Torah, Shabik Sav, that, that, that reference or, or uh, speak about the Geula. So the fact that the Ramam chooses Ari Miklat is because the Ari Miklat specifically is telling me something. And the question is, what is Ari Miklat telling me that I don't already know from the previous two Rayas? We also have to ask the question, which is the same question that was asked also in the previous Sikha. Why does the Rambam write this in a separate He should have included it in the previous halacha together with the other two rayas that were brought. In other words, since that halacha is discussing this idea and brings already two proofs for it, why shouldn't the third proof be in the same halacha? Base. In Sif Beis, he's going to give us the, the, the crux of the answer. He's going to explain that Ari Miklat is a mitzvah, and by connecting the Geula as a necessary component in a mitzvah, it transforms the level of eternity and the level of truth that this haftacha, that this promise contains. And this raya, this proof from Arimiklat, there is a major chiddush, there's a major, a major novelty, a major introduction, not introduction, a major something being introduced with Legabe Beis Raya Sari with compared to the first two proofs. 
from the fact that the Torah says, Im Yarchiv, if you will, when, if Hashem will expand your borders, then you should add three cities. In the times of Mashiach, you have to add uh, more cities of refuge, more Ari Miklot, as Ramam says in Hilchis Veitseach, in the times of Mashiach, you have to add three more cities on, uh, in addition to the previous six. Now, the coming of Mashiach becomes a necessary condition, a component in a mitzvah in Torah. Even though the Geula, Asida, is written in Torah, the Rambam lists the Amunah in the Geula. As a fundamental part of Torah, it's not yet a part of a mitzvah of Torah. We don't find anywhere a command in the Torah that we have to believe in the Gula. It's just that since it's written in the Torah about it, if someone doesn't believe in it, so he's denying Torah. Uh, but, but, but there's no mitzvah to believe in the gula. There's a, 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 there's a problem to not believe in it. But there's no mitzvah to believe in it. But once Hashem gives us this mitzvah to add three are miklot, when Mashiach comes, the gula now becomes an, a component of a mitzvah in Torah. Now that it became part of a mitzvah of mitzvah. now it carries the same intensity as a mitzvah. It's very clear and written in the and explicit in the Torah. It is a mitzvah that stands forever and ever. It doesn't change. You can't add on to it and you can't detract from it. It is a mitzvah that stands forever. The Ramam is referring to the commandments of the Torah. As the Ramam himself Continues over there. In the words of the Torah, we are commanded to do them forever. So this is a proof that we're he's talking about mitzvahs. And this also the Ramam writes in Ilchis Malachim, in Perek Yud Aleph, in Halacha Gimel, in the in the context of where he's speaking about Mashiach. He says, and the most important rule is as follows, it's laws and it's statutes, again, is forever and ever, you're not allowed to add on to them, and you're not allowed to detract from them. Then the Ramam says, someone who adds or detracts from the mitzvahs, or he misinterpreted something in Torah. And here's a very important line, and changes the meaning of the, uh, the simple meaning of the mitzvah. He is certainly a liar, a rasha, and a heretic. He brings in the Hora that the other prints of the Rambam where it says, And uh, I think the print I was using last week actually wrote it that way as well. But both in the Sikha we learned last week and in the Sikha we learned. This week, and it's, this, will, this line will be brought up a few times, he quotes it in the following way, Vadai, Badai, Badoi, Virasha, Virapikaitis. So, we see that the Ramam says, in Hilchisoyi he says, Mitzvah imedes le'elam alel mi'olamim. Then he says, Divri ateira mitzuvin anulaseis nadeilam. Then in Hilchis Melech HaMashiach, the Ramam says, Chukeo mishpateo le'elam alel mi'olamim. So mitzvahs have a certain sense of of permanent permanence and eternity that that is unique to a mitzvah. And now that the geula becomes a component of the mitzvah of Arimiklot. So just like the mitzvah of Arimiklot is forever, it, it, because, and it can't be changed, 
So too, there could be nothing to be ch nothing changed in this promise of the Geula because we need it to be able to fulfill that mitzvah, and that mitzvah doesn't change. This also explains the it helps us understand where the, way the, the way the Ramam specifies that Hashem did not command anything for for naught. Is emphasizing the because this is an union of a command that the Yebister gave. This makes it uh, uh, um, this 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 forces it to be unchanging because a command that the Yebister gives is not is not for nothing. It has to it has to remain and it has to be unchanging. So. This is the Nekudasa answer. This is the, 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 the answer in its nutshell. The, the, the idea is, is that the Rambam is bringing the Raya of Arimiklot in order to strengthen the, 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 the permanence and eternity of the promise of the Geula, that it's not just something that Hashem said is going to happen, but it's something that is part of a mitzvah, and the mitzvah is the most eternal thing that exists in Torah, and now the Geula has that same level of of permanence, and eternity. Siv Gimel is going to explain this uh, uh, even more. And he's going to bring out the point that when it comes to promises that, that are made in the Torah, promises can be changed. Hashem makes a promise, it can be changed. But when Hashem uh, uh, gives a mitzvah, that mitzvah doesn't change. That, 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 that it is incapable of change. It's beyond change. In other words, a promise, even if, it doesn't, even if it doesn't actually change, it's capable of change. And a mitzvah is incapable of change. That's what he's going to explain in Sif Kimol Yasser Bir. And this is going to take this mitzvah, this idea of Arimikla to the next level. With regards to promises that the Abishter made, through a Navi, there are certain situations in which it's possible that a change should occur. For example, if a Navi says over, gives over um, negative consequences, it's possible it's going to be rescinded. Because the there takes him long to become angry. Or the Abister is very kind, and therefore he doesn't he doesn't actually punish. Or it's possible that the Yidden will do tshuva and they'll be forgiven. Similarly, with regards to a promise that the Abister makes for the good, so the Rambam says in Hilchas that a promise that the Abister gives for the good that was conveyed publicly to the Yidden. That the Abister won't take back. But a promise that the Abister makes for the good that he only gave over to a Navi, he only conveyed it to the Navi, but the Navi had not yet relayed it to the Yidden, then if the, if the Yidden don't deserve it, Hashem could rescind that promise. So he says like this, A promise that the Abister makes for the good, if it was only between Hashem and the Navi, it's possible that it won't be fulfilled if sin gets involved. If the Yidden sinned along the way, then it's possible that the Abishter will not uh, fulfill that promise for the good because the Yidden don't know about it yet and only the Navi knows about it and the Yidden don't deserve it. So from the fact that a haftacha, that a promise of Hashem is capable of not coming to fruition or capable of being changed, it's understood that even in a case where we know for certain that the promise will be fulfilled, for example, what the Ramam writes, that anything good that the Abister promises, even if it was promised with a condition, Hashem will not rescind that promise if it was given over publicly to the Yidden. As the Ramam explains the Pirish Mishnais, that when Hashem is going to tell the Navi to convey to the Yidna promise of something good that's going to happen, it must 
come to fruition. And it's impossible for it to be changed because of the sin. So there is a situation where the Abishar makes a promise and the Abishar says he's not going to change it because he already gave it over to the Yidin. But because we know that promises are capable of change, from this we understand that even when a promise doesn't get changed, it's not because a promise that was conveyed via a Navi is incapable of change. It's only that the Abister practically, realistically doesn't make the change. They're capable of change because of the Abister is capable of change. There are certain promises that the Abister won't change. But they're capable of change. Explains. This has to be this way uh, for, for a, a, a logistical reason. We have to know if the Navi is a true Navi. The Ramam says that how do we know if a Navi is a real Navi? If he foretells the future, he says that something's going to happen, and it happens. Now, if the Abister makes a promise and something good is going to happen, and the Abister takes back the promise, we don't know if it was Yigremachet that the sin caused the Abister to rescind this promise, or maybe the Navi is not a real Navi, maybe he's a Navi Sheker, it's a false prophet. So therefore the Abister says, I'm not changing this promise. That way, if it doesn't happen, you know that it's a, he's a Navi Sheker. Because if he's a real Navi, then, then, then the Abister actually made this promise, even if God Machet, once it was told over to the Eden, Hashem doesn't take back the promise. But, what we understand from this is that it's for almost a, a, a ulterior reason that Hashem doesn't take back the promise. Which means a promise of Hashem is capable of change. It's just that there are certain promises that David doesn't actually change. When we talk about the eternity of Tatum, that it stands forever and ever, it's beyond the possibility of change. It's incapable of change. Just like the Abishter doesn't change. The Abishter is incapable, impossible of change. So when it comes to the Abishter's Teda, which is the Abishter's wisdom and will, it's not even in the possibility of change. So you have two types of things in Torah. You have the haftachis of Torah, the promises of Torah, which are inherently capable of change. Whether they do change or not, they are capable of change. And then you have the mitzvahs of Torah that are part of the nitzchis of Torah, of Aniyah, Violation, Nisi, that are incapable of change. So now we can apply this with regards to the promise of the Gula. The Av Sheliyesa haftachah l'tev. That even though it's a good promise, and that which the Abister, that we said before from Pirish Mishnah is, that which the Abister conveyed to the Navi, something good to be given over, to be conveyed to the Yidin. It's impossible that it, it's not going to be changed because of sin. You mentioned in the previous paragraphs. Additionally, in this case, with regards to the Geula, it is impossible that there'll be a situation of the cause of sin. The Rambam himself says, the Torah already promised, in the end, the Yidin are going to do Tshuva, at the end of Galus, and immediately they will be redeemed. You will return to Hashem, and then Hashem will return you. This itself was part of the promise. The Yidin will do Tshuva, and there won't be a situation of sin. So even though we know for sure that the goal is going to happen because it's a positive promise that can't be that Hashem says He won't take back, and even if the, he, he would take it back, in this case there's not, there's not going to be hate, and therefore there's no reason for Hashem to take it back. Nevertheless, the certainty of it is if you're going to rely on the on the fact that there's a haftacha, then the certainty of the geula only goes as far as the classification of nevuah. That nevuah is 
that Nebuah is a prophecy, which David says is going to happen, and therefore I know that this is going to happen. But it doesn't have that same level of intensity, of, 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 of certainty, I'm sorry, of But once you, uh, once you make the, the mitzvah, the gula, a part of a mitzvah of teda, it falls under the category of the eternity and permanence of teda. It is an eternity that is incapable of being rescinded, of being changed, and therefore it's on a whole other level. So that's what the Ramam is trying to accomplish with the Rayef Marimiklot, which we're going to uh, 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 bring. The, Ramah, the Rabbi in the Sikha is going to conclude with Arimiklot in a few Isis, but this is, the, this is the direction that we're headed. That, that there is a whole other level of, of truthfulness, of authenticity, of eternity uh, 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 about this um, about this promise of the Geula when you make it a component of a mitzvah because a mitzvah is part of it's not capable of any change etc. So in Sif Dalid he's going to ask the eternity of Teda should be applicable to all parts of Teda. What is unique about the mitzvah of Teda? Why is a mitzvah of Teda more eternal than something else written in the Chamisha Chumshei Teda? The rule of the rule of the eternity of Teda is applicable to all parts of especially with the five books of five Chumashim, which the Ramam says that they will not be bottled, they will not be uh, 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 rescinded forever. Bottled here doesn't really mean rescinded. They will, they, they will be forever. That everything that is written in the Teiras Meisha is eternal and will, will remain forever. Since the promise of Hashem with regards to the Geula is written clearly in the Teiras Meisha, already falls under the category of the eternity of Teiras Meisha. What is added on to the to the eternity of the Geula, the Avtachas Agula, the promise of the Geula, by the fact that it's not just in the Chumash, but it's also a, a part of a mitzvah. We're going to answer the question by saying that there is a major difference between the eternity of the mitzvahs of Teda and the eternity of the rest of Teda. The other parts of Teda should be self. In the other parts of Teireh, in other parts of Teireh, it's possible that the eternity of their eternity will be realized, not in the literal sense, but in the spiritual sense. Similar to, to, to parts of history. Or stories that are that are written in Teresh Biksav, that the eternity that they have is within the stories and the, is within the messages and the wisdom that is gleaned from them. Not in the actual stories, because they're stories that happened in the past. So there's parts of Teda, story of Avraham Avinu, it, 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 the, the story itself is not eternal. The story itself happened one time in the past. The message of the story, the lesson from the story, that is forever. So there's a, the nitzchis of Teda sometimes is not in the literal sense, but it's in the ruchnistic sense. Masha'inkin zesha Teda, he mitzvah. The fact that a Teda is a mitzvah that is forever. When it comes to a mitzvah, a mitzvah has to be done in a certain way, practically. Literally, that is unchanging. So uh, other parts of Teda, it's takinitzchi, it's eternal, but it could be eternal in various different ways. Um, in 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 Hora thirty four, he references look at the sichas chelik chavav, where over there there is an arichis in 
the various different levels of nitzchias, of eternity. In, within something that's eternal, that's forever, there's also levels. So you have certain things that, that, that their message is forever. When it comes to mitzvahs, the mitzvahs, they are literally forever. The actual practical application and implementation of the mitzvah is forever unchanging. We can actually see this in the wording of the Rambam. He says, If someone changes something in Torah and, we, and, and, and changes the literal understanding of a mitzvah, the, little, the literal uh, uh, meaning of a mitzvah, that makes him an Abadai Rasha and an Apikaitis. The Rakash or Eman are mitzvahs at Tera, Shayan Kipsutan, only when he says on the mitzvahs of the Tera that they are not literal. Yes, so the Gedder is at the Badai Rasha and Apikaitis, he goes into this category. Ki Azu Kaifer, be you say, it's a Nitzchis at Tera. Because then he is denying the foundation of the eternity of Tera. But if he's going to change the meaning of any of the other psukim, he may not fall under the category of a kaifer or an apikaitis because other parts of Torah are meant to be understood in the, in the non-literal sense. So just like in the stories of Torah, that certain parts of the stories of Torah may not be literal uh, 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 in, their, in, their, in their eternity. They may be an, uh, more... Non-literal. So too with regards to the promises of the Abister places in the Torah that are written in the Torah, their uh, a fruition in actuality is dependent on the various different situations or conditions that Chazal explained. So if a rule, if a promise was written in Torah without specific conditions, and later the, the, the Chachamim come and add conditions to it, it's not certain that it will be fulfilled literally the way it is in the Torah. Because the Chachamim explained that there are certain conditions that are necessary to it. So again, there's a possibility of a promise that's written in the Torah that we won't actually see its fruition. Because the Chachamim came and said, there needs to be certain conditions for its fulfillment. And the conditions didn't happen. And we're going to bring an example here. Where we see it in Torah. That the rule that Hashem's promise may possibly not be fulfilled because of the causation of sin is also applicable to promises made in Torah. There's a Braise in the Gemara in Brachis. On the Pasuk, in the Shira in Parshas B'Shalach, it says, until your nation Hashem will pass, until until this nation that you have acquired will pass. So Rashi brings from the Braise, Ad Yaver Amcha Hashem, Zubia The first time it says Ad Yaver, refers to the first time the Yidin came into Eretz Yisrael. Shabol Aretz Me Yeshua, when they came to Eretz Yisrael with Yeshua. Ad Yaver the second time it says Ad Yaver, this refers to the second coming, Kishalu Migolus Baba, when the Yidin, came up to Eretz Yisrael from Golus Bavel in the times of Ezra. And from this the Chachamim say, that just like in the times, that just like in the times of the Yeshua, there were major nisim that happened upon entry into Eretz Yisrael, so too the Yidin were, could have received the same nisim when they went in, in the times of Ezra. But because of the chet, because of the sin that happened along the way, they didn't experience the same nisim, the same miracles. Since this promise of Amzu Kanisa, the second Ad Yaver Amzu Kanisa, was written in Teresh Shabiksav before the Yitin went in Teresh Yisrael the second time, it cannot be changed. There's no change, there's no addition, there's no detraction from Teresh. You say that a change should happen to this promise. And it won't come to fruition, or for whatever reason it might be. 
Therefore, you must say, This idea that Teireh is eternal, cannot be applied in all cases to the understanding the Psukim, whether it means literally or spiritually, whether it means in any case or under certain circumstances. We, okay, we see that the Abishta said Amzukanisan and it didn't actually happen. So we see here clearly in Tedeshabiksav a promise was made and it didn't come to fruition because the Nitzchiasateda does not reach the understanding of the Psukim in their literal sense that it's gonna happen regardless of what situation comes up. So we see Sai in the stories of Teda, that the stories of Teda could be non-literal. The, the, their eternity could be applied in, a, in, in the non-literal understanding of the story. And the same thing is with the promises that are made in the Torah, that they could be understood, they could be explained by, the, by, by Chazal in various different ways, and their eternity does not apply to the basic Pasuk, it applies to the way the Chachamim explained the Pasuk. And that's the Chiddush. So our question in the beginning of the Sif was, what is the advantage of it being part of a mitzvah? And the explanation is, because when it comes to other parts of Torah, their eternity, their permanence, their foreverness may not be uh, understood literally. But when it comes, but when it comes to our, our topic, the topic of the Geula, there's a big Chiddush. Now that the promise of the Gula became part of the mitzvah of Ari Miklot, now it falls under the category of the eternity of mitzvahs of Teda, Asher, which in both details is very relevant. Number one, unlike the stories of Teda, the mitzvahs of Teda have to be fulfilled literally. And in actuality, and Bayes, and unlike the promises of Tater, nothing could be changed because it has to be understood exactly as it says it in Tater. So that's the difference, that's the answer to the question why does, is it necessary for it to be part of a mitzvah? Because other parts of Tater, even though they're nitzchi, but they could be understood in, in different ways and they are capable of change. And a mitzvah of Torah has to be understood literally, practically, and it is not possible to be changed. And that takes the haftacha of the geula to another level. That it's not just like the stories of Torah, it's not just like the promises of Torah, but it's like the mitzvahs of Torah. And now we can understand why the Rambam adds the raya for Melech HaMashiach Mehoshav Bari Miklod Oemer Miyarchev Yosavta Umeyelam Leoya Dover Zevel Etzivah Kaz Baruch Olatayu Even the fact that the Ebishter made a, gave us a mitzvah to add cities by Ari Miklod and has not yet happened and certainly the Ebishter did not give a mitzvah that cannot be fulfilled Enkev Anatana Memrak Lahavi Eide Chacham Eteresh Biksav Chamishachum Shetel HaMelech HaMashiach The Rabbam in this, in this uh, third raya the raya of Ari Miklod is not here just to bring another proof that Melech HaMashiach and the Geula are written in Teresh HaBiksav. Elobola heisif inyon chadash bechoymer hadover shal mishaini mamin boy. Idramam is adding another level of severity with regards to someone who does not believe in Mashiach. The noisif lazeh shakoifer batayr of Meshur Rabbeinu. In addition to the fact that he is a koifer, he's a heretic, he's denying the truth of the Torah and Meshach Rabbeinu of Neshach Torah He'ida Alav, because the Torah is the one who testifies with regards to the coming of Mashiach, which that we already know from the previous two rayas. But here there's another level of severity. He's detracting from one of the mitzvahs of Torah. Because if he doesn't believe in Mashiach, it means that he feels, he holds, that this detail of the mitzvah will never come to fruition. And if a person detracts from a mitzvah, then he goes in the category, what the Ramam says in the next halacha, Ramam says in the halacha Gimel, that if someone changes anything in the Torah, then he is, he's a Badei Rosh of Apikaitis. So now that Adam is telling us that if someone is, is 
not do, doesn't believe in Mashiach, then not only is he denying Torah, he is also being Goireya, and this is another level of and this also explains why the Ramah writes this in a separate because in the first two halachas, in the first two rayas, in the first halacha, the Ramah is bringing the proof that someone doesn't believe in Mashiach is, is, is denying the truth of because the, the very idea exists in Torah. And is bringing an additional severity that he's detracting from a mitzvah in Torah. The question is, what's the difference between being kaifer b'teira of Meishad Abenu and being gerei b'mitzvah Torah? In other words, what is what is the, this extra severity? If a person you're saying a person doesn't believe in Mashiach, he's a kaifer b'teira of Meishad Abenu. What's the next level? Of where is there a, 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 a halachic relevance between these two? And this is what he's going to ask right here. If a person's already a kaifer in Taira, and in Moshe Rabbeinu, what extra, what worse, how much worse is it becoming when he uh, detracts from a mitzvah in Taira? But based on what we explained earlier in the Sicha, with regard to the to the haftachis of Torah, uh, 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 not necessarily coming to fruition because of, of various situations. And the fact that certain parts of Nitzchiyas HaTorah are not literal, but they are more spiritual. Based on this idea, there's going to be a halachic relevance between someone who's just a kaifer b'tayr of Meishir and someone who is much worse because he's he's detracting from one of the mitzvahs of Torah. Let's first introduce What would be the din of someone who says he does not believe in the Gula Asida? Because he holds even though we were promised and a Gula and that he accepts wholeheartedly. Nevertheless, he claims that there's a change that happens. This promise was rescinded. For example, there was too much sin. You can't call this person someone who's being kaifer in Torah Meishad Beinu because of the fact that Torah speaks about the Golah. Which, as we said in the beginning of the Sikha, this means that he's being kaifer. Ramam said the words, that the idea of the Ramam is that someone who denies the Gula is denying something that's written explicitly in the Torah. But over here, if someone says, I believe in the promise of the Gula, but I think that the promise was changed because the Yidin sinned, so it's questionable whether you could refer to him as a kaifer. Because he's not denying in what it says in the Torah. It's just that he holds that even this promise is capable of regret. We could debate whether he has a din of kaifer in Teresh which in Teresh it brings many more um, many more uh, 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 details with regards to the gula, not just this haftacha, as it says. So it's possible that uh, that he could be a kaifer b'teirish But in teirish b'ksav, it's hard to call him a kaifer because he's accepting what it says in teirish b'ksav, and then he just says that, that that it was changed later. So when you, it, it, therefore, if you're coming from the perspective of the haftachas ha the words of Torah, the Nitzchis of Torah, it's shaykh that a person could not believe in the Gula and still not be a kaifer. But once the Gula becomes a detail and a component in the Mitzvahs of Torah, which the Mitzvahs of Torah, like we said numerous times already, is something that is forever. Which that compels us to say that it's impossible that there's going to be a change in the promise of the Geulah. So if somebody says anything contrary to that, he, because, he has the category, he has the halachic classification of a kaifer in Torah. Even though he accepts 
that the mitzvah to add cities to Adamikla came from the Abishter. But if he doesn't believe in the Geula, and therefore he says that this detail of the mitzvah cannot be fulfilled, he's saying that this part of Teira is non-existent. He's a kafir in Teira because a mitzvah has to be forever. And to say that I can't do this mitzvah anymore makes him a kafir. So you see here an afkemina, a difference in halacha, with be different between a kaifer b'teira of Meshrabeinu and a gerem mitzvah Because a child, that a person could say, I believe in the promises of teira, but I think that the promises were changed. And then he does not necessarily have the, the, the category, does not go into the category of a kaifer. But if he's gerem mitzvah then he becomes a kaifer for that reason. Even though he, he says, I believe it comes from Hashem, but I think that something changed along the way. Then, as a gerea, this makes him a kaifer. And the truth is, we can, we can even include another difference, another relevance between the kaifer and the gerea. In the case of a person who says, He doesn't believe in the Gula Asida. Because he, he explains, he interprets the Psukim in a different way, in, in a non-literal sense. For example, he says that the Gula will be a spiritual redemption. You can't call him a Kaifer in Taita. Because he admits, he accepts that what it says in Taita is true. It's just that he says that the promise doesn't mean it literally, it means it in a non-literal sense. Even if you're going to say that this goes against the rule, that every Pasuk has to be first and foremost understood literally. It's questionable whether we can call him a Kaifer just because he misinterpreted a Pasuk. If he accepts that the Pasuk is from Hashem, and he accepts that the Pasuk is, is there, and he just understands it in a non-literal sense, it's questionable whether we can call him a Kaifer for that reason. But if you're going to say that the Geula is a necessary component of a mitzvah in Teira, but then if a person says that the Geula is non-literal, then he's changing the mitzvah from its literal understanding, from its literal, from its literal implementation. That's replicators. And then he goes on to the, the halachic classification of a badai, a rasha, and an apikaitis. So in both things, you know, in, in Sif Hay, he brought, uh, sorry, in Sif Dalid, he brought the two examples, one of Haftoches Atayda and one of Sipuri Atayda. Then in Haftoches Atayda, um, it's possible that they won't be fulfilled. And in Sipuri Atayda, it's because it, it doesn't mean them literally. And the same thing, those two things he applies over here, the advantage of of the fact that the gula is part of a mitzvah, with regards to the fact that when it comes to the haftacha sagula, if someone says that the haftacha changed, he may not be a kaifer. But if he says that the mitzvah changed, that makes him a kaifer. And the same thing with regards to the understanding of of, of the psukim. If a person understands it in a non-literal sense, it might not be a kaifer. But if a person uh, 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 changes from the fact that it's a mitzvah and it doesn't mean it literally, then he's a kaifer because he's being mitzi hadvarim shel mitzvus mipsutam. So we're we're basically done with the Ari Miklot. I mean, we're going to touch upon it in, the, in Siv Zion, but. Understanding the uftu of the Ramam, we basically done here. The Ramam is coming in, in, in halacha base to bring a whole new level of intensity to the problem of a person who doesn't believe in the Geula. Chas v'shalem, and he's saying that if a per, that, that, that that not only are you being kaifer but you're being which is a whole nother level because the mitzvahs are they're forever and they are unchanging. And therefore, the Gahaftacha Sagula also is forever and unchanging. But once we've gone to this, to this, uh, on this uh, gain, on this path, where the Ramam is trying to express the severity of someone who doesn't believe in, um, in the coming of Mashiach, now we could go back to the previous halacha where it says Visham Niba and apply the same idea. 
that 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 the Rambam is bringing in the idea of nevuah to in, to enhance to exacerbate the severity of not believing in Mashiach. According to this, we can also explain another specification in the words of the Rambam. When it comes to the Rambam, from he says, over there he prophesized with regards to the two Mashiachim. We don't understand necessarily why does the Rambam have to say that it was said as a prophecy. And it's a big deichik to say shakivan shemaktim shazeu beparshas bilam tarach leisiv isham niba dim lekin menolan shes emes bedivrei bilam. And it's a deichik to say that that you know it's difficult to say that because it's in parshas bilam he has to say that it's isham niba that it was a prophecy and therefore uh, verifying the veracity of the words, saying it's true because it's a nevuah. So it's, it's difficult to say that that's the explanation. Because since Parshas Bilam is written in Teras Mesha, it's understood that it's true. Everything that was written in Teras Mesha is true. So it's obvious that it's true. So the question is, why does the Ram have to say the words B'Sham Niba? These words B'Sham Niba, the Ramam is, is telling us another interpretation Another uh, level in the severity of someone who does not believe in Mashiach. Not only is he denying he also is a kaifer, he also is a denier of the words of Nevoah. And he's going to explain to us now what is what is the, the severity of Nevoah, of being kaifer in Nevoah. Even though we find that the words of Teda are more stringent than the words of the Nevi'im, and therefore the Gemara says that you can't learn Teda from Nevi'im. We find a, a, a stringency in the words of Nevi'im with regards to the words of Teda. The punishment for someone who transgresses words of Teda is dependent on the category of the Aveda. If it's a if it's a bigger Aveda, a smaller Aveda, there'll be different punishments for it. But if someone transgresses the words of a Navi, it doesn't matter in what area he transgressed. Even if he transgressed something that's permissible. The Navi said, don't eat this kosher food. So even though the food was kosher, he wasn't going against Teda. He was only going against the words of the Navi. All, in all cases, you get the same punishment, which is Misadesh Which when we see over here a certain stringency with regards to Nevuah, that a person is over on the words of, of a Navi, regardless of what it was that he did, receives this harsh punishment. And the reason for this is, even though the strength of the words of Teda is much greater than the strength of the words of Nevuah. With regards to the human, from the human perspective, there is a certain severity with regards to Nevuah. The Nevuah is what the Abishter is giving prophecy to the human being directly. This is information that is be knowledge that is being coming from the Abishter straight into the heart of the human being. And since the Abishter is revealing himself, his words to the human being, therefore the impact that it, that it has on the human being, yes, but it feels more, it feels stronger, it feels more impactful than the words of Tayra. Therefore, when a person hears a command from a Navi, it's as if he heard it directly from Hashem. It doesn't matter what the command is. If he transgresses that command, he is considered, uh, 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 he's considered that he's committing treason. Which treason gets the death penalty? It doesn't matter in what area the treason was. A, a person who commits treason gets the death penalty. So when a Yid transgresses words of Teda, which Teda was conveyed through Moshe Rabbeinu, through this Canaan, through the Nevi'im, through the Gemara, through the Mishnah, through the Halacha. So a person could say, 
he transgressed. So depending on what the transgression was, he has to he has to receive a punishment. When the Abishir speaks to a Navi, and the Navi gives it over to the person, then it's as if the person heard it directly from the Navi himself, because the way the Abishir speaks to the Navi is the way you would speak to a person. Not the way you would speak to a Meshach the way you would speak to a Taira. The way you would speak to a person. And if you spoke, and therefore when the person receives it, he's receiving from Hashem. And transgressing that is the worst thing in the world. Treason. So, so from this we can understand that generally speaking, even if there's even if he didn't actually transgress the words of the Navi, because he didn't hear from the Navi, the very concept of Navua has this has this stringent uh, uh, level. Now we understand why the Ramam says the Ramis to tell us that someone who does not believe in Mashiach is also transgressing the words of a Navi, which in a certain sense are even more stringent than the words of Nimta. Consequently, in the three rays that Ramam brings, is teaching us that this concept of becoming of Mashiach is written and said to us in all the areas of Teresh Vixav, Heim Bisipuri Vavtachas Ateda, Kimifurish Parshan Nitzavim, in the stories and the promises of Teda, as is written in the Parshan Nitzavim, Heim Binavuish of Teda, in the prophecies of Teda, Kimifurish Parshas Bilam, Shesham Niba, as it is written in Parshas Bilam, or over there there's a prophecy about Mashiach, Heim Mitzvah Shabbat Teda, and also in the Mitzvah Shabbat Teda, Kimifurish Mitzvah Sarimiklot, as it is written clearly with regards to the Mitzvah Varimiklot, Vilachin, and therefore, Mishaini Mami Melacha Mashiach, someone does not believe in Mashiach. In addition to the fact that he is a denier of the Teda, he is also denying the prophecy of Teda. And he's also denying the mitzvahs of Teda. Which mitzvahs are forever and ever. So we, we took this idea that the Ramam is trying to teach us the halacha of the severity of someone who does not believe in Mashiach. We took it to the next level. Not only is it, 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 does it have the severity of not believing, it, of being goireya in mitzvahs, of detracting from a mitzvah, but it also is going against a prophecy. The last thing we're going to discuss in Sif Zion is why was Ore Mikla chosen out of all the mitzvahs of Teda to be the one to give us this level of veracity of the Geula that it's part of the mitzvahs of Teda. Why is the, is, the, is the idea of Mashiach specifically a detail in this mitzvah? Why in any other mitzvah? In other words, the whole purpose of it being part of a mitzvah is to teach us the nitzchis, haftachas, ha'gula, the eternity and the permanence of the promise of the gula that is part of a mitzvah. And because a mitzvah is forever and unchanging, therefore the promise of the gula is forever and unchanging. But why, why are miklot? Why in any other mitzvah? We can answer as follows. The idea of the Ari Miklat or the cities of refuge was Adam was a place to protect and save the person from the Gayal Adam, from the relative who wants to um, take revenge for the killing. When the person who killed inadvertently or even deliberately, when he is in the ear miklot in the city of refuge, no one can touch him. Just like there's this concept of refuge in space, that there's six cities or nine cities where a person could be in a certain geographical space that'll save him from anything bad happening to him. There has to also be a refuge in time, an oasis in time where a person could be saved from negativity. And this refers to that time, the time of Mashiach. There won't be hunger, nor war. And there won't be jealousy or competition. A person will find refuge from all of the negative things of the time of Galus. And the Yidin will be sitting assuredly on their land. This is even. This is practically speaking. When Mashiach comes, we're going to feel uh, saved from all of the negative things that are threatening us during Golos. But the same thing applies Beruchnius, even before Mashiach comes. That the idea of the Ari Miklat refers 
to the refuge that we get from the Yitzhara. Shanikra Goyal Adam, the Yitzhara is called the Goyal Adam, the one who's trying to kill us. And the words of Teda are a refuge. And just like this, the Ari Miklat, literally, we're also a kapara, we're also an atonement for the person who killed, as, as the Gemara Makis brings in, the Tesis brings in the Gemara Makis, where, where he says over there that, that one of the reasons he goes to Golis is for the kapara. The, 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 the referring to him as a murderer is symbolized as someone who does an Aveda. So because through an Aveda he made a defect in his soul, in his life. But if a person learns Teda, he brings refuge and atonement to his to his neshama, to his soul. So there are three Nikudas over here. Number one. The Ir Miklot is a, is, is a geographical location that saves him from something bad happening to him. There's also the idea of a, a Miklot in time, which is the time of Mashiach. There's also a spiritual Miklot, which is the Miklot of learning Torah. When a Yid learns Torah, he saves himself and receives atonement for doing an Aveda. Now we understand the connection between the mitzvah of Ari Miklat and the mitzvah of Mashiach and, 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 and the belief of Mashiach. Because when Mashiach comes, that will be the ultimate ir Miklat, the ultimate completion of the, of the refuge and the atonement of Yidin from everything that they experienced in Golos, from their Avedis and from the negative things that tried to destroy them and to distract them. May it be mamish speedily nowadays. And therefore, Dafke ir Miklat is the mitzvah that's chosen. To, to represent the eternity of the promise of the Geula, because when Mashiach comes, it'll also be the culmination of the Klita, the Kapora, the saving and the atonement of Yidin from the negativity of Golos.